Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Faith here with a welcome toast. It was Jim Villas who said, Steak tartare, not only one of the glories of great eating, but a possible cure-all for lethargy, obesity, hangovers, and maybe even sexual impotence. Please feel free to consume this show podcast in small bites or eat the whole thing. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, the place to eat, drink, and be merry. My treasured food buddies are here, senior contributors Chris Prosperi and wine broker Alex Province. Hey, everybody. Hey. hey, hey. And Robin Doyen Aiken, our senior producer, is here. Robin, hey. Hey, hey. hey. <laughs> Hi, everybody. You can tell we love her. Genius behind the music. All right. I, I was talking with Robin about this earlier because I was blown away that somebody has invented this. This is in the appliance area, and you'll see why I'm starting the show with this, because I think, what a genius idea. How many times do you go to the supermarket and say, I can't remember, do I have any eggs? Do I need butter? How much milk? Do I need butter? <laughs> is there, are there oranges left? You know how you do that? Well... I'm going through, as we do, we cruise online, we cruise through every food magazine possible, and we're trying to curate for you. That's what we do when we're not here on the show with you. (laughs) So I started noticing an ad that was appearing all over the place. I don't have this. I don't know how it works, but I'll tell you, I thought as an idea, this is pretty genius. It is a refrigerator by Samsung. Uh, They call it the new family hub refrigerator. It has a built-in camera. And every time you... Inside the fridge? Inside. Every time you close the door, it snaps a picture. Nice. Like our food in there will be having selfies. (laughs) Milk selfies. And every time... Every time you go to the supermarket, if you can't remember, do I have a container of milk or all those things we ask ourselves, you just go on your phone and you look at the picture from your refrigerator and you can Mm. see what you have. It obviously does not take a picture inside the vegetable drawer or in the fruit drawer unless it does. If it's clear, you'll be able to see in there. My vegetable drawer is clear. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. You'd be able to see right in there. Oh, you're very forward. Okay, well, anyway, I, like I just it. thought cool it was the absolutely fascinating. That Might that's leave the door open and see if I can get a picture of what people are doing at home when I'm not there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spin it the other way. Yeah. <laughs> when, the, when I look at the picture, and mine sh- yeah, can you shows, download it? Mine shows nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Shelves. Think, wow, there's nothing Hello. in that refrigerator. Looks it looks like Antarctica. You, it should send you a reminder then to go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so can I just ask mm. all of you, was the response on Facebook to our ice cream show, mm-hmm. uh, uh, was it? Crazy. Un- it yeah, was. over 100 comments of our listeners writing to us, telling us what their favorite ice cream places were around the state. It was unbelievable. Cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. it, that was shared so many times. It went from here to there. There were states, if you ever going to travel in them, people were <laughs> yeah. saying, you, Outside, you go yeah. to New Mexico. Yeah, 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 there's like the ice cream trail. 
It was yeah. fantastic. We wrote back to you. We had just had the best time. So that's what it's becoming like at our Facebook site. So always join us there. Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. That's how you get there. Mm-hmm. And by the way, let me just mention, because I forgot, there is a place in Fairfield that opened in the spring. It's called Milk Craft, and it's on uh, the Post Road, and they sell nitro-style frozen treats. Nice. You know, so, so they they're using right nitrogen. Wow. Liquid nitrogen, and they make it to order. So yeah. you order an ice cream, and they so pour super the... super cold nitrogen. Yeah, and then they pour the milk or the whatever, the ice cream base in to a bowl, and they pour liquid nitrogen oh, over the cool. top of it. You mix it, and you got instant ice cream. Instant it's ice cream. It's pretty cool to watch. You have to know what you're doing <laughs> you when totally you totally have to know what you're doing. Yeah. But um, it is pretty cool it caused me to look up whether it was safe mm-hmm. because some of the things that we come up with in the yeah. food world chris as oh, you yeah. know not, not too smart not such a good idea but that one works but yeah. this one works it's perfectly healthy Instant i, I ice gather cream. and yeah <laughs> really really cool one more ice cream thing for you what country are we keenly interested in right now because of our new friendlier relations cuba yes ding 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 ding, ding. Yeah, where's the bell? <laughs> Where, I know. Where is my oh, bell? Oh, there it is. Um, okay. We ate it. So, <laughs> so here it is. I was fascinated by this. In Cuba, they are crazy beyond crazy, more crazy than we are in the United States about ice cream. Really? Oh, it is hot there, right? That kind of makes sense. Insane. I wonder what it tastes like there. They, we should go. Well, I'm going to hold up a picture. I wish I could show you at home yeah. right now. When we when we put the show on camera, we'll know. There's there's a place called Copelia Ice Cream Parlor. This is in Havana, and it is the temple of the multi-scoop. It is built to accommodate 1,000 people. Oh, my gosh. That is how popular huh. the ice cream parlor is in Cuba. Can you imagine? I that mean, this is not a wealthy country at this point. And but ice cream rules. I wonder if is... you get ice cream shipped overnight. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody really knows why. It's got to go on the it, list of places to see when you go it there. It says it huh. starts, the ice cream rush starts at 10 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And a thousand people at a time. Fits a thousand. You can that's certainly crazy. have a thousand oh, people. I'd love in. to try it. It's wow. not fun. I just well, there are people the... taking all kinds of trips to Cuba, and I know I've heard of food trips to Cuba. Ice right? cream people, trip? Yeah, why not add ice cream to your food trip to Cuba? Here's what we have coming up later in the show. Domenica Marchetti, who's an Italian food teacher. She's done many Italian cookbooks, and the new one is Preserving Italy. And this is about how to do the easy ways, preserve either in oil or in a vinegar bath, all the great stuff that's in the farmer's Mm. markets right now and in your supermarket when they have local stuff, to buy a basket of the stuff and preserve it in jars. You can just throw those jars into your dishwasher to make them food safe. It's that simple. And then you put them in oil or whatever she suggests with sugar or not sugar or whatever. And a couple of herbs. Mm. And you can eat it all winter. So she's going to tell us how to do it. We just tried some. It's healthy, too. And we're going to talk during that segment about peaches and grappa. How about that for a dessert? (laughs) We'll take that to Cuba. (laughs) (laughs) Might take that over the ice cream. (laughs) Chris, I got this for you. I, I want to talk with All you right. about your slow cookers. I'm going to be honest. They haven't been out of the closet for months. Do you have why any more? Not? I just, I don't know. I just don't, don't turn use them the, in the oven. Su- yeah, I don't know. Why not? I have no idea why I don't use them in the summer. They make more sense than it's turning a good your point. oven on. It makes more sense. Totally. But for some reason, I never use them in the summer. You put them away. I put them. Well, they always go into this one closet I have. In the winter, I'm pulling them out almost every day, if not every other day, to put stuff in them. And right now, yeah. You're like even... the Jerry Seinfeld of 
slow cookers. <laughs> I it's getting to the point of getting a little crazy. Plug them in every month just oh to make sure the I, I, engines no, are running. No, I keep them clean. And yeah, yeah. They each have now they're in a closet and each keep one is clean. on a shelf. Yeah. Museum lighting. Yeah, museum lighting. I should we get love that. A yeah, clean man. Yeah. No, it's, so the reason I bring this up is to say. If you're in the supermarket and you see this, there's always somebody inventing something. Life is so amazing. I never thought that the slow cooker was hard to clean because you just pull out the insert and put water in it and clean it. Well, one of the major companies has decided to produce a box like you would with aluminum foil of slow cooker liners. And you pop one into your slow cooker and then you put your ingredients in. And that way, when you're done, you pull out the liner and you throw it away. I'm totally now, in. Are you in? Because oh my God, yes. I, now okay. I don't know how what's in that liner. Okay, you have to look at yeah. the yeah, you have to look at it. But I if don't it's know. if it's healthy and safe, I'm totally in because it's not a pain to clean, but it's big. I have some six quart and eight quart ones. We put ones. ours right in the dishwasher. My eight quart one would take up the entire bottom rack of my dishwasher. So if I could get something in there to where I could pull it out and then wipe it clean and put it back on the shelf, I'm in. So Chris, oh. remember we were talking about sous vide cooking, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. where you, you're cooking in plastic essentially. Yeah, be and careful with that. We yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. Jury still on? out. Jury I mean, still leaches out. out stuff. It's oh. very controversial whether or not oh. it's good for you. What yeah, did we say? Enamel one of the best. Right. What well, were you I don't know. I'm trying to stay away yeah. from the fear show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just would want to know what is in mm -hmm. that plastic liner, liner yep. that you're cooking in, like yep. you're boiling For hours stuff at in a, a bag. Time, yeah. Eight hours. So listen, we live in a world where there is a pre-made peanut butter and jelly sandwich on the shelves because making an actual sandwich of peanut butter and jelly <laughs> must be so time-consuming for some people that you can buy that frozen, ready to go in any supermarket, yep. right? You know, uh, or yeah, pre-cooked yeah, bacon yeah. or whatever. Uh, yeah. So this yeah, might yeah, be yeah. good for people, yeah. but just do Double me a check. favor. What's do your research? What's really messy though in a slow cooker? Um, when you well, do you anything could bake with oils, on tomato sauce. yeah. When you ever do anything with oils and stuff, it gets a little greasy and messy. Mm. You just yeah. put in some dishwashing detergent <laughs> and water. No, but the, like I said, it's not that. The problem is, is they can get pretty big and bulky, Christy. and they're. I have yeah. broken them. I have oh. a metal. I don't know about you, but my sink's metal. I have a two-base sink at home, and I've like tried to wash it, and I dropped it on that separator in the middle. I have okay. one that has a crack in it. The metal right. crack. I can't, the, no, the ceramic insert for the oh, that's right. pot Sometimes actually cracked. fragile. Okay. Yeah, they're fragile. So, yeah, you got to be careful with them. And okay. that's, those are my babies. Okay, we've got, kitchen, <laughs> hey, we've got kitchen tips. You know, that was a thing, a way to do yeah. something easy, clean in eight seconds or whatever. <laughs> so, um, a corn. Mm, I am. Um, this time of year. Rama, I've never asked you this. Do you do this because your husband, Steve, is an incredible gardener and works for Fine Gardening Magazine? Do you take some stuff like corn and do you put it in the freezer? Do you put up anything or you just eat it fresh right off? So we don't grow our own corn. It takes I mean, up so much Yeah. Corn. I know you, you've done that before, but it takes up too much space. Then the and, raccoons eat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, I like going to a farm stand. So I don't want to take that away from myself by growing it myself. It's yeah. like one of the things that I go to specifically to get Me at, too. at a farm stand. So even farm stand corn, we don't typically freeze. You know, we just enjoy it fresh while we have it. And then... In the wintertime, frozen corn's pretty good. It's not bad. And I cook it frozen from the store in milk, and that sweetens the kernels oh, so that right. it feels sure. like summer. Um, so that's great. But I do buy corn and cut it right off the cob, and I don't even cook it or anything. Yeah. I just slice it off. I get, pie, you know, do a whole dozen 
divide it into plastic it. bags yeah, yeah. and yeah. just toss it right straight into the freezer. Yep. And last winter idea. we had corn all winter long. We should all like, do that. Nothing like making corn chowder in February when it's freezing out. You should live the way we do. Well, I'm saying I could eat corn every day, except Matt would stop me. But I just love the corn now. I love it. I could eat it every day. And I then, could uh, eat it. But for you know three what? There's, some, there's something That's... special about it too when it's right now. So I mean, I do. But why not? I don't take. I don't take it. tons, uh, and I don't do a ton. I you, I usually freeze a few, probably a couple bushels at the restaurant, and we'll bring them out maybe three or four times just to remind us. But there is something special about eating it now, and right, and then it's gone. And it's so, so this, local. I love it. This gets us to. This idea, we talked about this earlier in the summer, but this idea of as we're all rushing to our farm stands right now and supermarkets Mm -hmm. to get, you know, the last of the corn, because now we're in that last month. Yeah, we're getting in that last month. What do you, you know, how do you cook? We were finally looking. I started to look up from cooking corn all summer long. I was thinking, how does everybody else cook their corn? So I became a fan of two ways. Okay, if I wanted a cop corn just for myself, mm-hmm. I wrap it in a wet paper towel, pull the outside off, and throw it in the microwave. Ooh, oh. yep, simple. Done so fast. It's it doesn't ridiculous. pop. No. It doesn't <laughs> you got to put it in a paper bag. No, wrong corn. <laughs> then, Oops. Um, then I started getting onto this way, which we're going to talk about, of boiling the water. I've shucked all the corn, boiling mm-hmm. the water, and then I turn it off and throw the corn in while it's coming to rest and keep it in there for, you know, five minutes, six minutes. Mm -hmm. And it sort of softly poaches in there. The kernels don't become tough, exactly, the way you do boiled eggs. And that's been my go-to way of doing corn this summer. How about you? We take either the kitchen sink or a plastic bag. We put the corn you know, unshucked right in, fill it with water, and then put some salt. You can dump up, make it salty like the sea. Soak it for 5, 10, 30 minutes, and then it goes right onto the grill. The, you know, the husks burn and catch on fire. But what you have inside is, like, delectable. I mean, so you don't hu- shuck no, it at all. Mm-mm. You just leave it like that. Do you take those end pieces off the stalk? I don't take piece anything off. off. The more <laughs> salt the burn, water. the better. Salt, salt water. water. And you can get sometimes, um, you know, if you have a bucket outside or a big plastic bag, you fill it up with water. I think the moisture just helps it from burning too quickly. But then, you know, do you salt? Is it salty inside oh, at all? Perfect. Oh my god, that sounds really good. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm and then gr- I take the stick of butter and actually, you know, rub it, like rub it until you know, oh, yeah. almost like a clove of garlic I until I get halfway through. In the refrigerator, I have a special corn stick. <laughs> you know, that it has that end. Very, <laughs> yes. it, has, it has some it, silk on it. It has the groove yeah. cut yeah. into. It. Everyone knows See, not to go near that. See, I, I'm a grill it. I take it out of the husk and okay. I grill it hard. So it actually gets caramel, like Mexican style. Yeah, like um, not black, but it actually yeah. caramelizes it and gets really like a nice dark brown. And then I cut it mm. off the cob and eat it with a. Then I mix in butter oh, and salt, me. and then I oh, eat it with a spoon. Yeah, you can eat it faster yeah. when it's cut that, off the cob. That cob-y. and last year you taught me from a friend of yours. That is still the way I do it at the restaurant all the time. What? And I take the corn, I husk it, I cut it off the cob, yep. I put oh. it in a pan, <gasps> cast iron, cast iron pan, and I caramel. Caramelize it yes. with nothing. It just goes in a pan. It doesn't need anything. And then towards the end, I start flicking in little pieces of butter oh, and yeah. salt. And oh. oh my God, there is nothing is better. Crazy. It's crazy good. Crazy and delicious. You got it from I somebody, wonder, right? I got it from Emily Olshansky, yeah. who is um, a judge and also one of the best 
cooks I know used yeah. to work as a chef in restaurants, yeah. and yeah. she does it. And Aroma Baron, yeah. another person there. Because uh, you okay. not flambe so, it in bourbon? Yeah. <laughs> Can you, you imagine? Yeah. At the end. A, yeah, at the, at the end, end, just pour cool. in some bourbon and light, light it. it on fire. Yeah. Yeah. As you bring it to the table. Yeah. Total. So, so um, run <laughs> to get the last of the seasoned corn because, it's, you know, corn. it's sweet right yeah. now. And you can do – Cook's Illustrated talked about making a chili lime salt where you put kosher salt, chili powder, and grated lime zest. Just swirl it all together and sprinkle that on your corn. That's kind of fun. You know what's good, too, is I do soy sauce. Like when I lightly grill it, yeah. I will pour soy what's sauce on What's that other stuff you love? The tamagine? What's the oh, – Tayine, the yeah. that salt, chili, and lime that you oh, get. Oh, we the Mexican love spice. that. Chris Tayin, brings it back. I bring it back it's by the any case. Mix Latin yeah. market. Okay, yeah. wait a minute. That we have, corn. We have things right, to right, do. Right, we, have, we have things to do. We're going to talk about the mystery vegetable kohlrabi and what to do with it. More mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a really do a charitable contribution to feed the hungry among us. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. Gotta love the life that we live in. Okay, hope that first bite of the food schmooze felt like a hot biscuit with butter coming your way. Feel free to tell your food-loving friends worldwide they can enjoy the show and our online site at foodschmooze.org. Here's your second bite. Free podcast, anybody? Free podcast. <laughs> this means you won't miss a drop of pleasure of the show. You go to our site, you sign up for it just once, and then it pops up in your um, in your in mail, and you can is, just yeah. listen. The podcast when, feed. Podcast feed. You yeah. listen whenever you want. I do in the car, and then yeah. I don't have to be in the car at a specific time. Right? I go through explaining this because uh-huh. there's still tons of people who, who yeah. don't do it, so and easy. they don't know. Yeah. You can just listen anytime you want. So yeah. Easy. Plus, of course, at our site, you hear us talking about all the recipes for food, wine, and cocktails, events, and we love talking with you, too, when you're there. So stop by often and say hi. You just go to foodschmooze.org. Who have we got? My treasured food buddies, Chris Brosberry, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province of Hartford, and Mark Raymond will be back with us very soon. Okay, we want to do what's in the markets, what's in the farm stands, and uh, what might be in your refrigerator. What's in abundance. What's in abundance, and what is the thing you don't know what to do with. Uh And, of course, that would be kohlrabi. And do we have a recipe for Mm. you? Because it involves parmigiano. Ooh, good one. It was kohlrabi. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> All right, but let's start with some zucchini. Let's brainstorm for people. Please don't give me any more zucchini. Okay, please. Base, baseball bat. <laughs> hey, if it's um, baseball bat size, mm-hmm. can you do anything with it? Yes. Okay, and you want to scrape out the seeds, yep. I think, And then for I that. usually grate that. Yeah. Oh, and I make uh, that one. Bread that's really bread. good for breads and muffins. Pancakes. And you can even do there's recipes for chocolate zucchini muffins. I throw it in burgers. Ground like it, just grate it. Yeah, if you Wonderful. want to sneak vegetables, oh meatloaf, in for your kids. Yeah, meatloaf. But if you want to sneak vegetables mm. and grate a little of that and carrot into your burger and give it to the kids, you have you're to tighten using it. half the burger. Yeah, you're using half the meat, so it's a little less expensive. Oh, I and like your kids get the vegetables and they don't even see it coming. I love that. <laughs> meatballs and there's Same a meatball. Oh, grated yeah. meatballs. Oh, yeah. yeah, grated meatballs. Will that work as a bread binder? Uh, no, Chris? you have to add. You have to add stuff because it's liquidy. Okay. You have to add stuff to and it. And if to you don't, if you know, I'm thinking about our gluten free people or I'm thinking about our paleo people, what would you use if you did grated zucchini and you're doing meatballs and mm-hmm. bread and mm-hmm. what would you use as a binder to hold instead it all together instead well, of Well, if I'm gluten-free, there's a you know what? Yeah. You can't, you can't, yeah, you can't but let's say. say you're paleo. If you're paleo then it's a little more difficult because... Would an egg do it? But still egg adds too much moisture. You need something in there to kind of hold it all together. Cheese, no? No, cheese would be okay but Chestnut it's not powder. enough. Yeah, that's a Chestnut good enough. Powder. Not are really good. It glues out. Yeah. Um, you can get chestnut powder <laughs> yeah, I was in any say Asian corn, market. Corn, corn flour is my go-to, like cornmeal, but corn? I don't know if that works with paleo, oh. right? If like if you use cornmeal, like if you were going to make polenta or How grits. How about almond flour? Almond flour works good too. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Okay, huh. so yeah. we always like to do that. So Chris mentioned grated zucchini. Maybe you want to grate it just because you're tired of it. You've had zucchini every which way. Is that with a box grater yeah. or are you using box like grater. a... You, okay. you either use a food processor yeah. Or you use a box grater and be careful for your fingers. In the uh, recent issue, August, September, of Fine Cooking Magazine, they have a recipe for grated zucchini omelet with mozzarella. And so, you know, they're grating a zucchini Mm -hmm. on the box grater, and then they say wring it out with a clean towel, a dish towel, rather, getting the moisture out. And then you whisk it in with eggs and salt and pepper, and then you start cooking. Okay, you know it's almost like go. a quiche. You know what my favorite thing though? It's a little Just trickier. No, this one's a little trickier. Is zucchini friti? If you have a little fry daddy, I don't know what <laughs> it is about zucchini and frying it. Yeah, it is heaven. And to that, you you take it on a mandolin, and if you have one of those yeah. little plastic ones, and you cut it really thin strips, then you salt it right, get the moisture out, yeah. wring it out a little bit, and then you just take it and toss it in flour, and you drop it in the fryer, yeah. salt and pepper and ah. parmesan cheese when it comes out of the fryer, and it's huh. like it blows up because it's all fraggly, you know, looking. Yeah, and it's so you just pick at it. We've it's been doing so it all summer oh, on baking sheets. Same yeah. idea, and yeah. it's helpful. Or grilling. Doing? Just slice it, um, mm-hmm. coat it in something, some yeah. salt, olive oil. olive oil, put it in the you know, oven. On. That's I, what I do. I do it's so good. I do olive oil, salt, pepper, a little curry powder, and throw it on the grill. Oh, curry I powder. never, yeah. I don't tire of oh. grilled zucchini yeah. or oven roasted zucchini. I, I remember covered in mayonnaise too. And, oh, you yeah. do that? Yeah. yeah, salt and pepper, mayonnaise on the grill. And, and I have right now. I have ten gallons of pickled zucchini. 
I cut it into half circles because someone gave me it's one so day delicious. someone gave me like six boxes of zucchini. Uh-huh. What do you do with six boxes of zucchini? So we cut them all into little half moons. The bigger ones we took the seeds out, threw it in a bucket, and then I heated up vinegar, sugar, some turmeric, some curry powder, salt and pepper, and some pickling spice, and heated it up, dumped it over it, and now that's going to be in my fridge all winter long. Now, see, this Chris is getting into yeah. this uh, Domenica Marchetti, who's going to be our guest in the next segment, Preserving Italy. What Chris just did there with that zucchini, just to pickle it up a little bit, which is so simple, right? Yep. She's going to talk about how to do that with a lot of vegetables, so stay with us yeah. for that. And we've got three of her recipes on the site, including peaches and grappa oh. for, for the holidays. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so I don't have the exact recipe for this, but just remember how my mom would take zucchini and then she saute it with some olive oil and onions and salt mm-hmm. and then until it softens. So it's more sort of like, you know, becoming okay. soft. And then at the very last second, she dump a whole bunch of sour cream in and then stir mm-hmm. it all together. And it's sort of like a beautiful side, but the sour cream makes it creamy. And, oh, that's yeah. nice. It's so good. I don't you know, know it's possible it to use it to do a, a lasagna. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. as sure. long oh, as you squeeze that, weekend, that yeah. with, a, yeah. with a dish towel to get the moisture out, you can use it in place of noodles. And then you start adding in what we're in it for, yeah. <laughs> the tomato sauce <laughs> and, and the cheese and the garlic mm-hmm. and the, you know, it's and a then carrier vessel. You go. you've got a, <laughs> sure, you've got a casserole, a zucchini casserole. I had a recipe when last time I was in Italy from my friend's mom, who's Italian. And what she did is the like zucca there. She took it and she cooked the heck out of it. I mean, to the point where I was watching her going, is, you know, elbowing Nico. I was like, isn't that like she's cooking it too much? It's that, and it was falling apart. And I mean, she cut it into chunks and she kept cooking it in butter and olive oil. And she's just adding mm. garlic and it just kept cooking and cooking. And then it totally mm. fell apart. It ended up almost like a puree. Yeah. And then she tossed pasta, parsley and Parmesan cheese in it. And it I was heaven. It. it was heaven, right? Yeah. But it, it, it got again, sweet. It, yeah, it cooked to the point where you couldn't even tell it was zucchini anymore. It all it melted. Right? Like when you overcook it, it sort of just yeah. disintegrates and it becomes this like almost puree without pureeing. So it, it sounds that like is yeah. genius. You just it was hide it in stuff, right? Yeah, it was a great pasta. Yeah. It was an wow. amazing pasta. And you could even use, you know, I bought the spiralizer. Yeah, sure. And I just <laughs> I am crazy about it because instead of pasta, yeah. for your you know, kitchen yeah. you can like have. That kind? No, 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 no. You buy a, the. It's a little small device. It's like a little slave And it almost. makes any vegetable into these spirals yeah. that resemble noodles. Mm-hmm. And you just. I've made a ton of things. And so this, zucchini she two could ways. have made, yeah. yes. And then you, oh. she could have used the zucchini strands yeah. with the spiralizer uh-huh. and put her zucchini sauce on top. Yeah. Wow. So wow. And if you're you if you're it. someone who's got health issues and you can't have pasta for whatever the issue might be. I mean, this is often true for diabetics or people who are gluten-free or whatever. You don't have any gluten-free pasta. You could do that. And you can use carrots. You can use beets. You can use zucchini. Then it's tricolored. We call it tricolored pasta. Wow. That's really fun. All right. Should we switch tracks? Because um, we've got (laughs) this vegetable that nobody knows what to do with. Now you're starting to see it in the markets and especially at farm stands, right? So kohlrabi it's spelled k-o-h-l-r-a-b-i and i've been searching around online so we posted this recipe at our website foodschmooze.org and anybody who's searching kohlrabi you're going to find this thing because i think this is a great thing this is um, adapted from the food network magazine because i thought yes they suggested using parmesan with it and so you know, to put this uh, simply, 
kohlrabi, you just think of it like a turnip. Yeah. It's a root vegetable. Mm-hmm. So pretend it's turnip. Turnip turns a, a little sweet. That's great. And so you peel it the same way you peel a turnip, and then you cut it into these one-inch wedges, and you toss it with a little olive oil and some salt. Maybe you could put on a little cayenne. It depends. And then on a baking sheet it goes, and you roast it in the oven. You'll see this recipe at our site. You turn it a couple times so that it gets a little crispy on the outside. And then at the last minute, you do a toss with grated fresh Parmigiano Mm. Reggiano. Eat that with my fingers. And wow, (laughs) is that good. It is good. So again, foodschmooze.org to get the kohlrabi recipe that we like the most. Why why don't we use it? Is it because it's funny looking? Well, what's the texture on the inside? Is it like a a turnip? No, so you, could you put it through a mandolin? Like a oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So real quick, raw, you could make coleslaws out of it. We do a right. ton of them. So think of any coleslaw kind of recipe, grate it on the mandolin really, or even on a box grater, and make any kind of slaws. You mix in carrots and parsley and vinegar and olive oil or from? mayonnaise. I don't know, Ooh, but it has a, a Middle it, Eastern name. And it, it looks like a spaceship. Yeah, and it grows well around here because all the farmer's markets use it. Another good use is I put it in my potato soup. So if you're going to make a creamy potato uh, bisque, you know, where it's a puree. Like a yeah. meat yeah. But take Ooh. that and add it because it has that kind of sharp flavor kind of, which cuts through the, right, that creaminess of the potato soup. That's another good use for you it. You know there's too much kohlrabi when you see at your farm stand free kohlrabi yeah. with every yeah. purchase. And, and my CSA. They put did, it in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> so at the CSA, I, I get from Holcomb, right? And when they don't, when the CSA members don't take something, guess who gets it? Me. <laughs> and kohlrabi I get by the, and kohlrabi is also a root vegetable, like you said, which means it stores. So oh, I'm, they're sending me kohlrabi in March. And let me tell you, towards the end, it's all that's left. You know, I'm thinking about soup kitchens making yeah. use of kohlrabi. Oh, it's so good. Really, seriously. And you can so, make salsas out of it. It's so – that's what I don't understand. It's so it's versatile. So yeah, yeah, neutral. neutral. So versatile. how have we sort of gotten this far without using it? Because I think it's from somewhere else, but now what our farmers found out is it grows great around here. Not just well. It grows great in this climate. It grows like a cabbage. Um, like a turnip Like a turnip. Almost. Yeah, yeah. So, in the ground? In the, in the ground. ground. Wow. Yeah. Yep. And let me tell you, it Root is, it's, yeah, it just it comes out a little bit of the ground. That was a giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But let me tell you, it's you can anything you can do a tur- use a turnip for, anything you could use a potato for, anything you could use hickama so for. So French fries almost. You, you could fry you it too. It? Yeah, totally. It has to. It's a. It's like a sweet potato almost because it has more liquid. So when I do fries with it, you have to coat it. Right to get it with crispy. the breading, yeah, okay. yeah, a little breading or something. I want to try. I, I, for instance, in the in uh, the summertime when there's a lot of zucchini, I will saute thin sliced zucchini mm-hmm. in olive oil, salt, and pepper. And when it gets a little bit brown on either side, flip it over in the saute pan stovetop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I take uh, mixed eggs. You know, add a little water because that makes them a little mm-hmm. fluffy. And I make an omelet out of the fried zucchini. Nice. Throw it, uh, the eggs on top of the fried zucchini in the saute pan. And then it becomes an omelet. And so you've got omelet and ve- egg and vegetables. It's a very healthy, delicious. Sometimes I'll, you know, grate a little cheese on it. Delicious way um. to have breakfast. You can do that with kohlrabi. Totally. You can slice it thin and saute it or, or make mm-hmm. it like a hash yep. and saute it in the pan. Yep. You could do a box grater thing. Yep. Get it so that it's a little crispy and then crack your eggs, your, your uh, stir-up eggs, and then put it over that and there you go. I like what you said, though, because it really rings true. Treat it like a turnip. Treat it like a potato. So when you have it – So, so I put it in soup then. Totally. Like- 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Anything you would oh, use yeah. a turnip for, anything you'd use a potato so for. So bring us some and bring in those cans. <laughs> I want to try. All I'll right. bring you. Oh, my God. Every week. Do you sure, you sure you don't want more kohlrabi? You'll no, I haven't used the kohlrabi from last week yet. You sure you don't want more? No, no. I, it's still in there. I haven't touched it. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. What do we have coming up? We have a Domenica Marchetti who is author of Preserving Italy, a book we have posted on the site with three of her recipes, uh, Sweet Onion Jam that is killer on burgers, and it's something you can give as gifts for the holidays or use for a long, long time because you can jar it as a preserve. And I want to give you a tip or two, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And this is our cruise of Cooks Illustrated. I don't know about you, but I am always trying to submerge food in a big stainless steel bowl. You know, and I, I'm always looking for things to sit on top of it to weigh it Anchor down. Plates. And then that falls yeah. over, yeah. and it's just like a, a rock. <laughs> Somebody wrote in and said, use a steamer, one of those little metal steamer oh, baskets. That opens up. That opened up upside yeah. down, and it great holds idea. everything in place because it has holes in it. It's a great yeah. idea. Genius idea. And that's Our, always in the drawer. How to preserve Italy, how to get food on your shelves all winter long, all the fresh stuff right now. We're going to do that right now. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers. Farmers markets are open everywhere right now for on-demand podcast delivery of the Food Schmooze Party every week. And to find our food, wine, cocktail, restaurant, hot topics, our short, fun streaming videos and recipes that we curate. We are always online talking with you at foodschmooze.org. And we'll be right back. have one more mouth-watering bite of the Fuchmoos coming up. Here's something great to know about. Sign up for the app called NPR One. Just download it from the iPhone App Store or your Android device. And once you do, you can set WNPR as your local station. Couldn't be easier. Download the free app NPR One and start listening. Let's party on more Fuchmoos. This is the Food Schmooze Party, offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County and the east end of Long Island. That's the Hamptons, too, of course. The senior producer is Robin Doyen Aiken. And to hear the show on WNPR, it airs Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. Podcasts and our curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.org. Hey, to those of you who are reaching out to us on Facebook, thank you so much. 
We love the conversations with you. People sometimes sending in pictures. We love to see the pictures that come along with your messages to us. Sometimes I blow them up and because one, one was recently a cat at a fish market holding a giant fish in its mouth. It was the awesome. most wonderful thing. I blew it up about two feet, so that was great. That's a Faith Middleton food schmooze on Facebook. Okay, here we've been waiting for this during the show. We are going to talk with Domenica Marchetti, who is the author of six cookbooks on Italian cooking. Her articles and recipes, perhaps you've seen them all around, Washington Post, Food and Wine, Fine Cooking, Cooking Light. She's also a cooking teacher and does stuff for various blogs and knows the Abruzzo region of Italy very, very well. The cookbook that we became interested in, because we haven't really done this on the show, is called Preserving Italy. This is at our website. Domenica, being generous as she is, has said, go ahead, take three of the recipes. We're going to get to them. Put them on your site. So that's foodschmooze.org. And when you hear them, I'm talking about peaches and grappa. When you hear them, (laughs) you are going to want to go to foodschmooze.org. How do we can, cure, infuse, bottle Italian flavors and traditions In an easy way where we're not scared to death, we're going to be poisoned or we're going to do it wrong or, you know, take advantage of what's in the markets right now. That's the whole thing. Domenica Marchetti, welcome to the Food Schmooze Party. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, our pleasure. So tell us what you wanted to get across from what the people in Italy do for us here. I think life is changing. A lot of old traditions are in danger of being lost. And I really wanted to preserve some of these traditions in this book. The more I thought about canning and preserving and Italian food, the more I realized that it is integral to the Italian table. If you go to a restaurant anywhere, you will be brought cured meats, a preserved form of food, cheeses, which of course is the ultimate preservation of milk. You will be brought condiments in Abruzzo, which is where my family is from. They always put out peperoncini, either dried hot peppers Mm. or hot peppers and oil, peppers preserved some way. At the end of a meal, you're likely to get a house-made liqueur, another form of preserving food, or in this case, beverage, I guess. All of these things are so important to Italian cuisine. And I really felt that you don't get the full picture of Italian cooking unless you incorporate preserved foods. I love this very much. And I just want to make a point that this is different from what I'm about to describe. I think Martha Stewart is a genius. And anyone who knocks her for her talent is crazy. Having said that, I don't have time to make candles for my dinner party. <laughs> so, um, you don't? So, no, I really do. I mean that compliment to her, and I mean, you know, people pick and choose yeah. according to what their lives are. So this is something else. This is something anybody can do. So let's start with the recipe that we have posted at foochmoose.org. Your oil-preserved butternut squash with mint. And here we have the markets booming with this stuff now. And how do we take advantage of it? Not have it just in the summer, but pull it off the shelf? Tell me about this. Yeah. So oil-preserving is 
really popular in Italy. It's the most traditional way. Here in the U.S., we do a lot of vinegar pickles. And of course, there's a new interest in fermentation. But in Italy, a lot of vegetables are preserved in oil, you know, eggplant, zucchini, even winter squashes. And one of my favorite flavor combinations is the mellow, sweet winter squash Mm. with vinegar and mint, you know, which really brightens it up. So the squash is just sliced and then kind of steeped in a sweet and sour agrodolce vinegar marinade. Then it is boiled in this marinade briefly just to make it a little bit tender. Then the squash is drained and kind of laid out to dry, packed in jars and filled with olive oil, and then just stored in the fridge. You don't even have to do a water bath or worry about canning it because the oil is a preservative and it keeps the squash nice and fresh for long-term conservation so in the he- fridge. Yes, here is a thing that will last for three months. Think about that. If you do this in September, even end of September, October, November, <laughs> December, there you yeah, go. Exactly. So, and, you know, these wonderful sweet and sour squash pieces are so good with uh, like a roast, roast chicken, roast pork. They just make a nice, bright side to classic winter fare. But let me ask you some questions now, because this is what all of us want to know. Chris, do you have one yeah, to jump and, in? Well, no, I just, you know, and it makes cooking easy. When you have this stuff already put up in your fridge, then you come home, you cook a piece of chicken, and what you're going to serve it with is already in your refrigerator. The sides have, are already done. Yeah, yeah the that, sides that, are already done. Yeah, that's such a great point. I have to tell you, when I was working on this book, I mean, you should see, I have a fridge in my garage and a fridge in my kitchen, and they are both <laughs> chock full of jars from mm. recipe testing, and I will tell you honestly that some of these are way past three months old, but since I'm yeah. just serving them to myself, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not <laughs> taking any chances. I have to say I was very conservative with the book in terms of dates, making sure you label everything and use by dates and all of that, because of course you don't want to put yourself at risk, but I always feel like if you follow a recipe, you roll up your sleeves, you do it, you're not going to have any problems. Well, People let- do get concerned about canning And there are recipes that require water bath canning and even pressure canning in the book. But it's really something that I encourage people to try because there is so much payoff. Domenica, let me ask you a question about that very thing. This is oil-preserved butternut squash. When you start out with a jar, what is the easiest way to sterilize that jar? You can um, sterilize them in the dishwasher. I often put them in the oven at 250 degrees for about 20 minutes, and all of that does the job perfectly fine. Great. All right. Now, in this recipe, oil-preserved butternut squash with mint, you explained how it has a little white wine vinegar in there. The butternut squash is sliced. There's a dried chili pepper, a little dried mint some sea salt, and the oil used here is sunflower oil because I was wondering if I've got a good-sized jar with all this squash in it, uh, what kind of olive oil am I supposed to buy? Because that's a lot of olive oil, and that starts to make this expensive. So you're using sunflower oil. Is that traditional to Italy? Yeah, it is traditional to Italy. I will say that most oil preserves use 
extra virgin olive oil. And the reason for this is because many families in Italy, especially those in the countryside or those who have family out in the country, they have olive trees and many families still make their own olive oil. So when they're pressing the fresh olive oil, that is the stuff that they will save to drizzle on bread and over tomatoes. And then they'll use what's left of last year's olive oil to put up preserves. Of course, we don't have, I in well, my suburban Virginia backyard, do not have an olive grove, unfortunately. So, so, so. can we use just uh, regular olive oil? I would suggest a still a decent quality extra virgin olive oil. And you can find some good quality olive oils at places like Trader Joe's or Costco even. It doesn't have to be a $40 bottle of olive oil, mm-hmm. but I would refrain from using the industrial sort of olive oil that won't improve the flavor of mm. your preserves. Okay. Um, that's why I also like to use sunflower oil because you can find it at a decent price at uh, many supermarkets. Good. And it's got a nice light flavor. This is Domenica Marchetti, a cooking teacher and author of many Italian cookbooks. This one is called Preserving Italy, and it's about how to simply can, cure, infuse, and bottle Italian flavors. In other words, work in that tradition where Italians go to the market or to their own farms and buy a bunch of stuff. You see people buying bushels of things. Look at our markets right now. And then you put these up in jars and you get to use them. That recipe for oil-preserved butternut squash with mint is on our website, foodschmooze.org. Let's turn to another one. Um, these are blue cheeseburgers. We just ate these, Domenica. They were delicious. Oh, and, great. Chris, you made for us the tropia onion jam. Tell us what I that was like. I loved it, and it was so easy. It's just taking some red onions, mince it up with some sugar, red wine, a little bit of salt, some peppercorns, clove, bay leaf, vanilla, um, a cinnamon stick, and a little bit of red wine vinegar. And you basically bring that all, except for the vinegar, bring it all up to a simmer, and you cook this into a jam. And it's as easy as that. You finish it off with the vinegar, and you put it in your containers. I did it a couple weeks ago, and I've been eating off that container since then. It's great on ham sandwiches. We put it on a burger today. I've put it on chicken. I even put it on a piece of salmon the other night. Oh, that sounds delicious. And, yes, it's great as part of a cheese plate. Um, You know, Tropea is in southern Italy, and it's famous for its sweet red onion. So I called this Tropea onion jam. Of course, I, I don't get those onions here, but... Right now in the farmer's markets, um, there are some really good red onions. They're still Mm -hmm. kind of on the small side, but even a supermarket red onion will do because it has a nice assertive onion flavor. And when you cook it with all these lovely spices and a little bit of red wine, you know, the vanilla bean, the cinnamon, um, it's almost like a holiday flavor. So Mm -hmm. this is something Mm -hmm. that, that will last for a long time and that you can put out with a holiday cheese plate or like you guys did, you know, um, on a Saturday night, make uh-huh. burgers and top them with a dollop of this uh, jam. Here's what I'm thinking oh. about. I'm thinking <laughs> about a baguette sliced, and I'm going to make a gorgonzola grilled cheese oh. with this onion jam <laughs> yeah. and, yeah. you know, a little butter on the outside of the bread. Yeah. Ooh, that, oh, there you go. Man. So Does that ever sound good? Yeah. <laughs> so tell me this. 
And so that gorgonzola was in the burger that we made. You have a recipe mm-hmm. for that burger in here. There is um, what normally we would consider a lot, two cups of sugar in this recipe to make this jam. And I was thinking to myself, some sugar would be uh, good for caramelizing the onions. And we said to each other, wow, two cups. What's behind that? Because you simply want it to be sweet, or is there another reason for that? Sugar, of course, is a preservative, so mm-hmm. it is a component in um, you know the preservation of this jam, so that it will uh, keep for a good long while. And the other reason is that it helps. You know, this is not a jam with pectin, so it does help to thicken um, the mixture into a jam-like consistency. So you know, it's funny. I hadn't even thought about the quantity of sugar until you mentioned it. This isn't something, though, that you're going to eat by, you know, the spoonful <laughs> or the cupful. It's, it's a little dollop on your burger. It's a little dollop on a cracker with cheese. So a little goes a long way. I'd put Domenica it on Domenica does not know us. <laughs> yeah, the part about not eating it by the spoon is debatable. Yeah, exactly, Robin. <laughs> You'll get to know us, Domenica. Uh, okay, so here's the one we have been waiting for. Those are terrific. Terrific. And we just had that uh, blue cheeseburger from your recipe in the book, and we put that jam on it. It was fantastic. We did it both regular and gluten-free rolls. Oh, it was great. We then put a little bit of spice on there to work against the heat. It was terrific. So this, though, is the one that I am so excited about. It is peaches in grappa spiked syrup. Can you imagine (laughs) pulling that off your shelf? Put some ice cream on top. That is holiday worthy. Okay, so here we go. This is... You say the Italian version of bourbon peaches. Yes, I live in Virginia, and bourbon peaches are very popular around here. But in my house, we make the Italian version, which means you use grappa instead of bourbon as your you know, spiking agent. So the peaches are just kind of quickly poached in a little bit of um, boiling water so that mm-hmm. you can slip off their skins. And then you slice them up and you make a sugar syrup, you know, with water, vanilla bean, a little bit of lemon juice. And you pack the peaches in jars, pour the syrup on top, and then you top it off with a good glug of grappa. So you have a really nice uh, liquor spiked syrup and these peaches just kind of steep in there for a while. And yes, whoever mentioned ice cream, that's, yeah. this is a perfect use for these peaches. And these keep, seal them up for six months. Yes, because... In the refrigerator? Through a water bed. Well, if they're open in the fridge, they'll keep for a month. Yeah, they will okay. keep even once you open them. And the jars are uh, quart-sized jars so that you can fit a fair bit. But if you're having company for dinner, you'll go through a jar for sure, uh, you know, for like... Per person. People. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oops. Calling an Uber afterwards. You know, this, this, is, um, it's, this is a little bit of taunting, I realize, because we here in the Northeast have had a terrible year in terms of peaches because of weather. But um, from time to time, we do get our hands on peaches. And so if you do and you want to carry that gorgeous fruit through into the winter months and the holidays, what a way to do it. And I'm so grateful, Domenica, that you have said, go ahead, post this 
this on the website for our folks. You'll find this recipe. Peaches and grappa spiked syrup makes three quarts. What a gift, by the way. And oh, that, yes. Great point. Perfect for holiday gifts. And now is the time, right, yeah, to start, start getting get, getting going on that. So that's at foodschmooze.org. So we have about a minute left, and I just want to say that in here we have how to put up classic meat sauce, green tomato preserves, and apricot mustard sauce, plum preserves, that jar of vegetables that is so traditionally Italian, a tomato sauce, mm. just like Domenica's Garage. You can have all these <laughs> That's her, Domenica's Garage between two covers is what we've got here. Thank you so much for being on the show and for taking the time to share this tradition with us. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Again, these recipes, the three we just mentioned, are on our website at foodschmooze.org. The book is called, and you'll see text about the book and how to get it. It's Domenica Marchetti, our guest, Preserving Italy canning, curing, infusing, and bottling Italian flavors and traditions. Was that? Oh my gosh. I need a second refrigerator. I know I did too. That's what I keep saying. I'm not getting that though. Um, well, maybe I will. Santa. All right. We are on WNPR Thursdays at 3, Saturdays at noon, weekdays. Listen for my 60-second food schmoozes. Never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. This is the place to enjoy the richness of life. Sharing our local and national discoveries with you makes me want to get up in the morning. The gang and I hope you'll come back soon and often.